This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team in collaboration with the JCT4 team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Ignatius Deneen, Technologies Advisor with Junior Cycle for Teachers. And this week I talked to a wonderful silversmith, Dominic Dolan, who has spent much of his life working with precious metals and creating beautiful artifacts, which are available at kinsalesilver.ie and can be accessed locally from his shop in Kinsale. So it's lovely to have you here, Dominic, for us this evening. Nice to be here, Iggy. Thank you. So, Dominic, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, where your journey started as a silversmith and where your journey has taken you to date? Of course, um, I started out in a place called Glenmore in South County, Kenny, with my family, basically. My father was a silversmith and my mother was an art teacher. And this was the mid-70s and there was a, a lot of crafts and arts going on in Kilkenny at the time. My kind of life growing up was surrounded by potters and painters and poets and musicians and leather workers. And so I absorbed crafts in Ireland at the time. So basically you got your leaving certain a bus ticket to England and away I went to London. And I did all the usual stuff that people did at the time, working on sites, the restaurants, pubs, whatever. Eventually, I managed to work my way down to a place called Clerkenwell, at the east end of London, which was the centre at the time, and I think a long time of silversmithing, and I just really settled in there quite ha- happily, and I found it much easier to get back into silversmithing than trying to drive a shovel in the cold, wet rain in February. So you've been on a real journey, Dominic, with your life today, to where it's taken you. Follow on from that, why did you decide to become a silversmith, do you think? I had it in, in my blood and in my hands, and I just I enjoyed it from a very early age. I really just I get a kick out of it, and I still do. Forty years later, I can almost say it's what I was born to do. Fantastic! Could you tell me why you decided to get involved in this initiative, Dominic? It just seemed bizarre to be fun. Another idea, another aspect of it. I find it slightly introspective. Can kind of look back through my life work with a you know, almost cold eye and an objective eye. And also silversmithing in particular with the the worshipful company is quite a closed trade. And I, I just think it's better to open it up and let people know it's not as distant as it sometimes may seem to be. Absolutely, absolutely. And yourself, Tommy, there, why do you think the work of an artist is important? Or how do you feel this work brings value to a person's life, maybe? Smarter people of me have spoken more eloquently about the, the value and the meaning of art. Art is a bridge between imagination and reality. I imagine it, I make it real. Somebody else sees the reality and it triggers back into their imagination. There's emotion involved in the imagination and it bridges communication. And it's something that humans have been doing for tens of thousands of years. It's one of the earliest human activities is to create art. No, absolutely, Dominic. And anything that we do ourselves, we have to see value in the work that we're doing, you know, as opposed to leading on to that. Then I, I love to know what a, a typical day in your workplace would look like. Maybe such things as a typical day, but a lot of my work is split through a, a year. So in the winter time, when the shop in particular and, and the orders are quiet, I can get to making stuff, making new stuff, coming up with new designs and new patterns. And then in the summertime, Hopefully, the idea is that people come along, buy them, and keep me in business. And 
keep me working and they enjoy what they they get and they're happy and it means something for them and something for me. Yeah, you picked up an interesting point there, Dominica. You know, people, when they purchase something, they're happy what they get. And have you ever found some customer that they wouldn't be entirely happy what you get? If somebody doesn't like something that fine, particularly on commission work to start, and we have a drawing and an agreement, and I think I understand their idea and they think that they understand mine, and I start to work from there. If they're not happy with what I finish, what I finish with, I, that's fine. I don't mind if they don't buy it or don't take it. If I'm left with it, it's, it's not a problem for me. But kind of go back and do it again and again is really not, it's not something I'm happy doing because I do try to do my best every time. And if I produce something for somebody and that's what I consider to be the best I can do, then... Absolutely. So from listening to you there, Dominic, it seems that a lot of preparation work goes into the idea prior to actually starting the process rather than trying to change things after, is it? Yeah, it, it has to. It, it has to. It's the only way I, I find that I can work properly. This, I, I need to have a fair idea of where I'm going to go with something. Yes, yes, yes. No, it's, it's interesting to hear that, Dominic, and even, I suppose that brings me to a thought on curiosity as well, you know, and getting inspiration for ideas, you know, I suppose clients themselves they come to you with their own ideas but you're also developing your own ideas for projects and for different craft work as well are you constantly constantly uh, particularly through the, the winter yeah the ideas come from everywhere a lot of stuff is nature-based but at the same time I, I have no particular style so i do geometric things or pattern on a pillowcase and think okay that's a nice curve and a nice Flow at the end of it, I could do something like that. So I can stick that to the back of my head. And when I come out sketching stuff, these things come back out. Ideas are actually not hard to find. The, it's the deciding what to make and what to do with a particular idea. And then you're the sticker. It's some things you have to be commercial with because I have to sell things. And other things I kind of have an idea that I really like. I do it just fun, really just for myself, for fun. If it's uh, if somebody wants to buy it, so much better. If they don't, then I have something to give to my girlfriend. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> brilliant, Dominic, brilliant. And it probably brings me to the thought then of where your ideas come from. You've discussed that in great detail. And I suppose my next question there would be your favorite part of the design process. Yeah, I actually love changing things as I'm going along, which sounds uh, kind of contrary to what I said earlier on, but you design stuff on paper or even in your head. And as you're making something, you find possibly a way to strengthen it, possibly a way to change a curve, to give it a better line, to move something in possibly only a couple of millimeters to move something. And it just sits a little better and it looks a little better. And you kind of go, yeah, that's, that's it. And from that point on, you just you just tear into the finish of it, and you're just kind of happy with it. Yeah, the changing of, of my own ideas or other people's ideas is probably what I enjoy the most. Brilliant, yeah, no, and, and I think that's important, Dami. There, in any design process, we often encourage our students there more and more so to reflect on their work as they're working. You know, I think typically before there, maybe ten to fifteen years ago, we would have often encouraged students to come up with an idea and a working drawing and stick to that solution, you know. Mm. It's interesting to hear the crossover there between 
how you reflect and pause and change as you go along as well. Yeah, it's flexibility and it's improvement. Even when you finish something, you, you can always look at it and go, okay, I could have done that a little bit better. Actually, when you finish something, I tend to more see mistakes or not exactly mistakes, but where I could have improved things even at that stage rather than you kind of look at the object and say, okay, then it's fantastic. You know, you don't see the fantastic. I myself see mistakes. I'm pretty sure that nobody else would ever see them because they didn't see it in pieces or didn't see it in my head. So Brilliant, Dominic. Yeah, and I think, I'm thinking there again myself when I'm, I'm trying to come up with ideas and share my ideas with other people. Um, my question there, I think, would be around how clients themselves communicate their ideas to you. You know, when they when they walk in the door of your shop, do they start describing a piece of material to you or how they might like it? Or how does that process work, Dominic? There's a number of ways of doing it. Some people come in with a rough idea of what they have in their head and they'll try and basically describe it to me. So it can sit down there and then with a pen and a piece of paper and we can sketch out something. And from there, normally I'll do two or three different drawings of variations on the same theme, let's say. And then we'll go back to them. They'll have a look at it, take it home, come back and say, okay, we possibly have a, a, most of this. And a little bit of this, that, and then we have a, a starting point. Other times they'll come in with photographs of something that they they like, and again we kind of draw on top of the photograph, draw on top of the picture. You know, maybe they got it off the internet or something. It's like, okay, yeah, I can do that, but I I don't copy things. You know, if somebody says, "Can we make this from a picture of something they got off the internet?" I, I don't do that. As you said, you're you're not looking to copy something, but you're looking to create something that's bespoke and original. That's that's the idea of your, your entire business, I get the feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what, you know, it, it, back to the art thing again, it's my imagination into my pieces. Uh, I really have no interest in, in copying things and, and, you know, okay, obviously it's the client, then it's their imagination and I'm a, a bridge for them to put that into reality, but yeah, not to copy another somebody else's design or somebody else's idea and all that one. and i think there dominic when you know the vain side of all ourselves come out well and we want to show show off a piece to other people we uh we often love to boast that it's a, a particular piece that nobody else has don't we <laughs> this is it's it's one of a kind there's joy to that you know, i think it's it's as individual as, as individual people there's a joy to that there is a course and, and you often hear people and they often have a piece of material or a different piece of art that they create and, and there's meaning behind it and that's what makes some piece of artwork very special for them as well. You get actually quite some sad and tragic stories that are attached to things that people ask you to make and you know how much meaning there is with them. With, yeah. but that, that, that's what shows the, the amazing side to your work, Dominic, and, and creativity that you can bring for, for somebody that is struggling to find somewhere to replace that meaning so they're, they're able to do through the means of jewellery with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then further on your ideas, then, Dominic, when you're working, what type of questions would you ask yourself to move your work along? Why is this taking me so long? I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, now, there's three kind of questions when I'm making something that are always there. It's, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And probably most importantly, when am I going to do it? So if I'm creating a piece, I'll start with the idea of the piece in my head, break it back down into its component parts and put the whole thing together in my head. When are you going to do it? It's always the most important one. Do I have to cut this before I bend it? Can I bend it after I cut it? Will I have to solve 
four pieces together onto the bigger piece, sew the smaller pieces together first onto a bigger piece, stick them directly onto the bigger piece as you're going. And when you do things in, in the process is, is important. As long as you don't mess that up, you're fine. Well, absolutely, Dominic. And, and as I've mentioned before, we're always trying to draw links with what we do for our students as well. But t- time management and organizing a process is equally as important as the process itself. It is. It is. It makes you cleaner and it, it makes you work quicker. Absolutely, Dominic. Yeah. And even talking to you previously there, Dominic, you mentioned about being exposed to, to the arts as a child. And I think there, you know, working as a silversmith, do you, do you believe it's a, it's a natural talent or could anyone become a silversmith over time with enough practice? Anyone can do it over time. Like many things, I think that some people have more of a, a feel for it, let's say, than others. But the, the skills are the same. Regardless of which, and I often feel that people who don't have a particular talent for it work harder at it, and that's a good habit to get into. To have Absolutely. to work hard, to have to push yourself to achieve the same results that somebody who's more talented and has a better feel for it might achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say it was an interesting point there that you brought up the working hard at it because certain things you love, and you because you love them, you tend to be good at it. But other things, when you you tend to love it afterwards you know yeah yeah there, there is that's true i think for everything i think the more you you enjoy and love something the more time you put into it and the more time you put into it obviously the more skilled you're, you're going to become story of the ten thousand hours isn't it so to, it takes ten thousand hours to be competent at something absolutely dominic yeah and i think there dominic myself as a teacher i, I love to to delve into the processes with students very early in their time in first year and second really creating i suppose the skill level students that they get the process right from the beginning you know Mm. i think on that there dominic have you experimented with processes yourself that you wouldn't be too familiar over time and have you tried and reinvented yourself to improve as you as you go through the learning throughout the years yeah at the moment i'm looking at enameling basically taking powdered glass and heating it back into a, a glass piece basically you, you melt the powdered glass or fuse it together um, and it's something I messed around with years I was just never ever very good at it and so I didn't pursue it but now stage of my life I am trying much more enameling and I'm just getting happier and happier with the results it's very very quick it has to be very very clean when you're doing it so you get it, it's something else you really really have to develop a feel for for to have nice nice results the other thing too is i'm back doing a bit of sculpture again which is it's big you know and i have a a dragon that i started two weeks ago there for just making them out of scrap metal it's full chairs and car wheels yeah all kinds of things and i'm welding this guy together and it's fun it is something I wouldn't claim to be uh, an expert or anything, you know, in an Emling, Dominic, <laughs> but uh, I've dabbled a small bit in the past, you know, and it's a, it's an absolutely beautiful process when you get it right, isn't it? Yeah, the, particularly the, the opaque enamel, if you can engrave underneath it and, and you can get the, the picture bang on and the, the surface and the colours are just, they're just fantastic. They're, I think, uh, as close to a natural colour as you can get and with the natural subtleties of, of colour and shade. There is and, and it's a lovely um it's a lovely finishing technique as well. You know, it's it's something that could really make something stand out. I often discuss with students there the 
the difference in a project that's well finished and a project that isn't, then it seems to be a much better standard just because the finish alone, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, finish in a way is everything. It's a really, really good quality finish can make something that look a lot better than a, a poor quality finish. It's, it's a, a good finish can make a bad piece look good, but a, a poor finish can make a, a good piece look bad, you know? So. Uh, there's, there's no true words there, Dominic, and I'd be a strong believer of that myself, you know? Mm. Um, and again, Dominic, they're on the area of precious metals, the limitations and possibilities of working with them. The main limitation of precious metals is always the cost. They're, by, by definition, they're, they're expensive, which means it doesn't give you much margin for error because yes. you don't want to destroy, you know, if you can destroy the metal and you end up having to sell it back to your, your metal guy for scrap and you're losing half the value that you paid for it in the first place. So you do have to be careful. You do have to be careful and conscious of the cost, particularly with gold. So we're not gonna yes, yes, yes. Pick up on your point there, Dominic, which is really interesting. You said there is very little margin for error. Is that would that hamper your creativity in some ways? In or maybe your it might have done when I was younger, but not anymore. You just have to go for it. You yeah. Do it if you did that idea is in your head and is the idea that you want to make or something you want to make. You just have to go for it. Don't. Well, Linda, your your career has taught you that you're 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 lacking fear as you grow. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you you learn as long as you learn from any mistakes you make. There's a good, a good message there too, Dominic. And uh, we, we discussed the limitations there with the precious metals, Dominic. What about the possibilities? Then is there? There's really no end to the possibilities. Nothing that you can't make with precious metals. Again, the reason I, I'm interested in enameling at the moment is the the color. You know, I I can make a a bird from silver, a life-size bird, and you look at it, you wouldn't know if it was a, let's say, a green finch, a gold finch, or a bull finch, because they, you take the color out of them, they all look the same. So it's nice to, to be able to add that color into it, which is probably the reason that I'm getting more interested in enamels as I'm getting older. Fantastic, fantastic, you know. And something really I have interest in also, Dominic, is the approach to traditional techniques and modern technologies. You know, I know that with modern technologies and the advancement that's been made over the last 10 to 15 years, it's just a, a major progression there within the education system, you know. Mm. And I, I'd be interested to know if you use the combination of traditional techniques and modern technologies, or do you tend to stick to one or the other? I do traditional techniques. I know and I've seen a lot of the, the modern technologies coming into the, the trade or the business. I'm a little bit kind of in awe of it. Some of it is just quite fantastic. But I just don't see my I need to kind of follow that line. I, I'm I think quite a lot of the computer generated stuff and the, the 3D printed stuff, the, the pieces that are originated there are quite cold and almost too perfect. I, I like yeah. to the the hand. I like to do things in my hands and work it through that way. And if there's small mistakes or errors and whatever. It, they add to the character of the piece more than anything. And possibly some of the computer stuff is a little bit soulless. For sure, Dominic. And it's, it's always lovely to know where exactly a piece of craft work comes from and, and who was the person that made that as well. So that's that's also interesting to note there that the modern technologies may be that they're too perfect, which is an interesting statement. To my mind, anyway, they can be a little bit cold and exact. In terms of in Dominic, the, the aspects and the process itself, what aspects of the silversmith process do you find the most challenging? 
um, polishing. <laughs> polishing is, is uh, exact, but you, you use a motor that's traveling at, at 3000 RPM with a, a six inch mop on it. You can, it, it's pulling away from you all the time. So you, you're almost fighting with the piece you're polishing. You can't over polish, you can't under polish. If you over polish, you start to wear lumps away from it uh, and you, you lose your surface. If you under polish, your surface just isn't isn't good enough. All the mistakes show up when you're polishing. But if you polish something correctly, nicely and cleanly, it just it's like poof. It's like you transform a piece in 20 minutes. You can transform a day's work in 20 minutes from something that's kind of solid and dull into something that's full of life and gleaming. But it's still a challenge, even after 40 years polishing, you really, really have to be careful and concentrate on what you're doing because a half a second and the motor will pull the piece away from you and you wrap around that motor and it hits the, the back of the um, extractor cover and it's destroyed. Absolutely, Dominic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting what you said there about polishing, you know, because me as a teacher there of engineering, I would find that I would be able to polish something pretty well and I teach my students to polish pretty well, but <laughs> I'm only polishing for seven or eight years now or maybe a little bit more in school as well. So maybe I haven't got the process right yet, Dominic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I kind of, I've polished a lot of things. I've polished car bumpers and uh, the chrome company one time in my life and we just polished stuff all day long. But um, still, still polishing is a challenge. And again, then, Dominic, I suppose, it's always good to give advice to, to younger people there. And we're always trying to encourage students to, to get into this type of work and this practical work that the value it brings to people. You've, you've mentioned about the value that it brings to certain people's lives there. What advice would you give to your 13 or 14 year old self? Don't be afraid. A mistake is part of a learning process and go on with that. Work harder, probably, which is, I think, written on every uh, school report I ever had. And um, yeah, have fun, have fun, enjoy what you do, make the most of it. If you don't, if you stop enjoying it, then stop doing it and do something you enjoy. I, I think that's just a, a really lovely message, Dominic, to actually finish our podcast on, you know. It's been fantastic talking to you, Dominic, here this evening. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I just want to thank you for giving us your time. Thanks a million, Dominic. Take care. Thanks, Ivy. Good night. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team in collaboration with the JCT4 team. To hear more from Junior Cycle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.